So, a traditional Jewish, Christian, and Muslim. Hi, Preston. Hi, Katie. <laughs> We're doing things a little different today, aren't we? Oh, you sure are. <laughs> We're recording through Zoom instead of, you know, all of our really nice software. <laughs> I know. I miss you. Right. It's so weird. You're so far away. <laughs> I know. But I love this here. I'm going to throw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I actually think some of our listeners probably think Preston and I are married, but we're not. Definitely not. Um, I mean, a few too many people have called you the other wife. I know. I was going to say Preston's actually my second husband, not my first. So. Um, yeah. So we're doing things. Lineup, right? uh, so we're doing things differently for good reason today on the Holy Watermelon Podcast. <laughs> Yeah, because we're that on Zoom. It feels weird not saying it's synchronized. I know, because we're on Zoom, we can't. <laughs> so today we have the amazing Sarah as our guest today. And Sarah is a publicist, and she's not a very good one because she didn't send us her bio. So I'm <laughs> literally winging this. I'm kidding. She's one of she's the best publicist I've ever met. She has a brain. I am always an envy of and she's on our show today because she was raised in a cult it's true thank you except for except for the publicist part i i i it's one of those things where you people say like the mechanic doesn't want to fix his own car same thing here i'm a oh. publicist but i didn't want to write my own bio that's all it is. i had that conversation about my industry like two hours ago with someone i was like i don't do my own stuff <laughs> but it's tricky to write your own bio like, unless you know exactly who you're pitching to and exactly what they want, you're either going to overshare or undershare. That's why people pay me. <laughs> it's great. I'm like, I'll take care of this for you. So, yes, after you hear Sarah's amazing story today, pay her lots of money to do publicity. <laughs> Not related, but okay. Cool. Uh, absolutely unrelated, but you may as well get something out of it. <laughs> it could work out. You don't know. Who's listening? And I'll also add that Sarah's joining us from the States. We have a handful of American listeners, mostly Canadian, but maybe we'll get a few more Americans. According to Spotify analytics, more than a third of our listeners are American. That means two thirds are Canadian, though. (laughs) No, it's not two thirds. We've got a a nice diverse bundle. We're just over half Canadian. Yeah, I pay attention to this bit. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> Let's get started of all this preamble. So, I mean, Sarah, we'll, we'll take turns asking questions, like you said, and if anything, we think of anything we'd like to know more about, we'll ask you. Obviously, you don't have to ask, answer anything you don't want to answer, and um, I'll put a trigger warning on this for our listeners. Sarah's not going to talk about anything she's uncomfortable with, but she will probably talk about some things that make people uncomfortable. Oh, that's true. Thank you. Absolutely. So you were raised in what we would call a Christian cult. You you believed and believe in Jesus and the resurrection, but they don't consider themselves Christian. Can you elaborate? Because uh, I'm making mind blowing gestures for our listeners. (laughs) (laughs) So there's, there's a few things. One, they definitely don't consider themselves a cult. And two, they do not consider themselves Christians. And the reason they don't consider themselves Christians is because Christian is a worldly term and they want to remain separate from the world. And so they don't use that term. They do believe in Jesus. They do believe that he died on the cross, um, but they do not believe in the Trinity. Uh, They don't believe that the Holy Spirit is active and present today. They don't believe you go to heaven when you die. They don't believe you go to hell when you die. There's a lot of differences between them and the traditional uh, Christian religion. So uh, that that's that's hence the separation. Quite a list of really prominent differences. That's I, a short list. I could go on. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of these. Oh, sorry. A, a lot of these are really quite different from what we do consider mainstream Christianity. Yeah, the, and that's one of their their big things, right? Is like there's. It's one of those things where you look at discernment of the truth, right? And they're like, some of the things that they're, they're like so close, but then it, not quite. And so 
they believe they funnel everything they believe through two founders um, who founded the religion in the 1850s, I think. And so everything is is funneled through those two men, essentially, and they use those two men to interpret the scriptures. And so everything is is based off what those two guys wrote and believed and has kind of continued on. I, huh. I have a follow up question. I guess what inspired these two founders or I guess like to what benefit was this new sect or cult developing, right? So, you know, we have the Protestant Reformation as an example. It was because we didn't want priests in the Latin and this separation between God and the people. So is there an obvious, you know, I guess, reason for them branching off on their own? So this is where it gets a little tricky for me because I don't obviously believe what they believe anymore. And so I don't subscribe to that theory and those beliefs. They believe that the men had uh, somehow the help of God uh, and what they've created and what they've written to interpret the scripture. I'm not sure what the overall benefit was as far as like a societal context. Um, I do know that some of the works uh, that these two men wrote were actually plagiarized. And so Katie, I had sent you some of that a long time ago. Yeah, where they plagiarized some of it. And so I know that that kind of plays into it. I, I think these two men obviously benefited personally greatly, right, from from what they created and what they wrote. And so that's kind of my my take on what happened. But the people who I was raised with would probably tell you very differently. <laughs> they they believe these two men found an, and I quote the truth. And so that's their stance is that it is the truth. It is the only way to salvation. It's how it has to be. Um, and so they'll tell you that, right, that that's the benefit to, to society and people. Yeah, it's kind of tricky. Any, any new church that starts up, you have people that are going to benefit, uh, whether or not they benefit financially through the sales of books. That's sometimes that's a goal, but really everybody who starts religion, whether that's their goal or not, ends up having a lot of social power. And that's, that's a really interesting and kind of scary thing that can happen sometimes, depending on who wields that power. And when yeah. we have these guys just plagiarizing stuff, that's, you add a, a kind of obvious looking fraud on top of that. It doesn't make things trickier really when it once it's identified <laughs> it is okay so this is the thing though right so when you're outside of it and you're looking in it's like all all of that makes sense right and so you're right it, it is beneficial but when you're inside of it it's a totally different story uh it, it's so i don't think unless you're raised into an environment like that you can ever understand what it's like to be in that and then to, right. to step out of it right and then be like, oh, 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 <laughs> it just, it just changes. Uh, but it takes time to, to get there and to work through some of the things. Yeah, um, we've, we've talked about the bite model, I guess it was like a year ago um, on all the different kinds of control that we see in authoritarian groups. The word cult is something that maybe we shouldn't overuse, but an authoritarian group likes to control information and to what you had just said, if you don't have a frame of reference to recognize the issues, that's that's information control. That's a really gross thing sometimes. <laughs> yep. And it's interesting how I was raised. Sometimes people will say, well, Sarah, were you raised on a, on a compound? Like what, you know, and I'm like, nope, sure wasn't. But it was very much, you have to live life a very certain way and follow very strict guidelines and very strict doctrine. And, you know, it was like, wear a hat when you go to church and women don't speak and you have to wear a skirt and you have to do this and you have to do that. And um, the way that scripture was used to manipulate people is, is what kind of scares me. Right. And it terrifies me for them more really than I think anything else. Um, there are people it's funny because, so I'll, I'll give you a little bit of history if that's okay. There's yeah. about 50,000 over wide. They say there's about 50,000 of the whole broad group across the world who believe what and how I was raised. But then there's been a lot of division. So there's a lot of what we call subsects, right? And so there's 
little divisions throughout the world too. Um, and the one that I was raised in has probably 300, 350 maybe believers right now total. Uh, and so, and most of them, I'd probably say half are biologically related to me <laughs> or, you know, or through marriage related to me, right? And like I said, like there's no compound, but now they're all buying land next to each other, right? And so things like that that are just like, mm. and so, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it was weird going to school sometimes. And because I was allowed to go to public school and uh, my father actually encouraged me to go to college. And my father actually got a lot of flack for that from some of the other people in the, in the religion because they were scared of exactly what happened. <laughs> I was going to go to college <laughs> and meet more people who were not, not believers of this particular religion. And then all of a sudden, like, leave, which is essentially what happened, uh, funny enough. So they were, I guess, right, in some respects, to be worried. But it's, it's yeah. I'm, I'm curious, and you can feel free to not answer and we can always cut the question um has your leaving this tradition affected your relationship with your family a lot yes uh yes so my family still talks to me most okay let me let me take that back most of my family still talks to me my biological relatives still talk to me uh but it's a lot of times when I'm the guys that they want me to come back. So they think by having a relationship with me, they can talk me into coming back to the truth and they can talk me into, into rejoining. Um, and so that is the vast majority of, of how they work and how they base things off of. When I left in my early twenties, um, the funny thing is I, I had to write a letter to leave. So um, I had stopped going and okay. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how much background information to give you guys. I'm sorry, but I was in my early twenties. I was in college. I met some people, you know, friends, made friends, whatever. And they were like, Sarah, the things you believe are a little weird. Right. <laughs> and, and so we started talking, started talking and some of them were Christian. Some of them were atheists. Some of them were agnostic, right. The whole, but they were all, all of them agreed that what I believed was weird. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, and so uh, anyway, so in time and working with them and talking to them and just having friends, right. Who were in the world and talking to them through, I was like, this, okay, something's off. Right. So eventually I stopped going to church as much because I was in college and I was working and honestly, I was drinking on the weekends. Right? <laughs> so I was like not wanting to get up Sunday morning and go to church. Uh, it was a bit of a drive and it was out in the country and I was just like, eh. so, um, I ended up more and more I talked to my friends and the more and more honestly I was going to therapy the more and more I want to start going to therapy I was like something is just not right and so um some of the brethren of the uh, they called ecclesias not churches so some of the brethren of the ecclesia came and talked to me and said hey like you're not coming to church basically quote unquote lovingly we're like you need to get your act together <laughs> you need to be showing up for church because they believe one of the things for salvation is you have to attend church pretty much every single Sunday and break bread and I think you guys call it communion right have fellowship together so, uh, so we go through this process and of course I'm sitting there talking to them. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll start showing up, you know, you know, whatever. Right. In the back of my mind, I'm like, this is just weird. This is just weird. And so I ended up making the decision to leave. Um, and funny enough, I had to write a letter to say that I wanted to leave. So I wrote that letter and mailed it and said, I want to leave. I want to be done. And then, uh, I'm not allowed to leave though. So you're not actually allowed to leave you have to be essentially kicked out. <laughs> so I sent the letter and then they had a meeting and agreed that I needed to be kicked out because I wasn't going to be showing up anymore. And so they did, they called this fellowship. So they disfellowshiped me, right? So then I wasn't a member of the ecclesia anymore, a member of the body anymore. And that was hard. So they still, I mean, people still love me in that group. I know they do. I know they still care about me, but it changes things really drastically when, like I used to play the piano for church on Sundays, right? I taught Sunday school for a long time uh, within the within the group. I had a I don't want to say I had a lot of esteem, but as a woman, you don't have a whole lot of esteem in that group. And as a woman, I actually had quite a bit of esteem right in in the group. And so when I left, I lost all that. I lost that esteem I had within that group. I lost that identity. I lost who I thought. I thought I knew God at the time. I didn't, but you know, I lost that piece of my relationship with God. I lost, um, I did lose some friends. I did lose some family. And so it was a big, a big change in my life. 
Did I answer your question? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, that was a lot of info. <laughs> I'm sorry. I never know how much to say and how much not to say. And I'm like, how much is too much? I'm just, I don't know. It's perfect. I'm like looking at our questions and I'm like, oh, she's answered them all. <laughs> where do we go from here? Um, that's why we're my pauses. You did so well. Um, I, uh, when I, I can go on if you want or I can shut up. <laughs> is there any, anything coming to your mind, Preston, that you want her to address specifically? I'm curious. So I come from the Latter-day Saint tradition where there's like highly centralized and it's, if you want to leave, it's a pretty formal situation, kind of like yours where you, you have to formally say, Hey, here's a letter. I withdraw my membership kind of thing. And then it's basically, yeah, once that's gone through, you are kicked out. <laughs> um, but it's, it's more of a, like everybody who goes to church is always registered and you're asking to be removed from the list so that you don't have the missionaries keep reaching out to you and say, Hey, are you ready to come back yet? Which of course is super annoying. <laughs> and there are places, communities within the church that are more culty than others that are, you see families be more authoritarian and sometimes it's bigger than the family. Sometimes the whole community is kind of authoritarian. Would you say there's any diversity in that range of authoritarianism in the the ecclesia? Or is yes. it all so pretty I was, authoritarian? I, I, I would say it's pretty all, most of it is authoritarian, but you will see different ecclesias because each ecclesia is run by its own host of brethren. And so everybody follows the works of the two founders, but there's some discretion as to how the brethren run each ecclesia, right? And so um, there's actually a board, like they don't have a priest or a pastor for each ecclesia. It is, it is really run by this, a board of men, essentially. And then they all take turns praying and preaching and, and whatever. Um, and so there is some humanness right in that process and i would say there's also differences within families so sometimes sometimes people will say oh well, they this particular family well they they came from the world so in other words like that means they're not really as strict right as someone who is like myself essentially who was born into it right and so you kind of give them some grace because maybe they don't understand i'll give you an example i was a kid i was like i don't know eight or nine and we had a, some people come visit us from another ecclesia and they came to visit us and they had kids, right? And their kids said something about going to, to church. We're going to go to church tomorrow on Sunday. And I was, I was like, oh, I was horrified because you don't say you go to church on Sunday. That's not something you say, right? Because that's a worldly term. We say you go to meeting on Sunday, right? And so to differentiate ourselves, so we meet together on Sunday. We don't go to church. And so, you know, there's, there's nuances like that too. And, and so that's, that's kind of my answer there. <laughs> Okay. I think that's interesting because even controlling the language that would fall under probably behavior control for the bite model, right? Is that like we speak differently than other people? Um, and just for our listeners, like if your organization checks off one or two boxes of the bite model, you're fine. <laughs> uh, when it starts to check off more, um, it becomes a problem. So, uh, you know, if you use your own work lingo, you're not in a cult, but uh, this is a good example of how, you know, Sarah, for you, it was, it sounds like they curated every detail of your life. It did. And, and, and this goes into two, like I was a kid, wasn't allowed to celebrate Christmas. So wasn't allowed to celebrate Easter. Wasn't allowed to celebrate any, no, no quote unquote pagan holidays were celebrated, but there were other kids and other ecclesias who were allowed to have a Christmas tree, you know, and, and that was you know, horrifying to, <laughs> to, to to my family, right? But they were allowed to have a Christmas tree, but they were taught, you know, it was pagan holiday and it shouldn't be, but, but they were allowed to have it. And so there's things like that where I can see where my my particular core biological family was also a lot stricter than I think than some other families. And the same too with the subsects. So there are some other sects of this particular group where that's not such a big deal and it's more commonly practiced versus how how I was raised where that was not, you know, that we, we didn't do any of that. So but none of them would consider themselves Christian. Like globally. Or would you know what? That's a good question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the very, very broad group 
maybe is I would say loose enough. <laughs> they might they <laughs> might stop those Christians, but it would be surprising. I've also been, I mean, I'm 40 now, so I've been removed for 20 years. So even though I still I still hear things. I still get information. You know, my, my family is still very much involved. Right. And so I, and I still get talked to about different things, but so, you know, but I've also tried to distance myself from some of that. And I know that there is some kind of loosening up, I think as it's, as it's gone along. And so, I mean, the people who I know would be horrified if you call them Christians, but I can't say that that's across the board for, for, you know, all 50,000 people. Right, you said that in a text you sent me the other day. Did I? <laughs> I said, right. Oh, you yeah. know what? Yeah, I said yeah, something about Christian. You're like, no. It's like, no, no. Those are not words they would use. Thank no. you. You go. So you didn't grow up on a on a commune, as a lot of people like to imagine cults, and you'd mentioned that. So you grew up going to school with kids of different faiths, right? Yes. I did the discussion of church or ecclesia ever come up with other kids when you're growing up i have had some people from school who i'm facebook friends with now uh, who i keep in contact with you know text keep in contact with and keep on social media who have um commented to me they were like sarah something was always different about you we knew you were a little weird but we couldn't figure out like what was weird about you or what was different about you I remember one time I was on a school, I was, I was little, I was on a school bus and um, I must have been in like first grade or something. And I got off the school bus and I told my mom, I had told one of the little boys uh, that if there's any kids listening, you need to stop this right now. But, <laughs> but I told the little boy on the school bus that there was no Santa Claus. <sighs> and I told him that it was because the Bible said there was no Santa Claus, right? Maybe. And so I got home and I told my mom, I said, yeah, I told so-and-so that the Bible says there's no Santa Claus because he thinks there's a Santa Claus and that's not right. And so my mom was like, okay, two things. One, quit telling the kids that. <laughs> and two, right, like, the Bible doesn't actually say there's no Santa Claus. <laughs> so, you know, we had to have a conversation about that. But I think those were the things that came up, right? And I was like, oh, this is a little different. Or maybe the other kids noticed, right? This, why, why wouldn't you believe in Santa Claus? Or why wouldn't you have a Christmas tree? Or why wouldn't you do this, that, or the other? Um, I mean, I had a lot of friends who, like, didn't go to church and that kind of stuff. And so to them, it was weird, right, that I was going to church on Wednesday night and I was going to church on Sunday and I was going to church sometimes on Saturday. And then I was going to these things called gatherings, right? They're like, you go to gatherings? Why don't you go to vacations? Like, we're going to Disney or we're going to, you know, wherever. And you know what? So that would come up from time to time. But I was a fairly intelligent kid. <laughs> and so there's also this piece of, like, kind of blending in, right, that I was able to do to, to make it through and even though my father is is pretty pretty strict in the religion now in his old age um he is actually uh he actually came in later in life so he was not born and raised in it like my mother was and so i think this is my hypothesis i could be wrong but there were some things i think where my father was like no like our kids need to go out and, and have real life experiences <laughs> or my mother would have been more like no they need to be 100 percent and shelter right in in the house and so um that allowed me to have some some like i listen to acdc in the car with my dad right so so there are some experiences like that that i talk about sometimes people are like you did i'm like well yeah but you know my dad listened to acdc growing up so to him listening in the car right there's some there's some nuances there too that happened so did, did Kid Sarah know you were different or did you think everyone else was different? I thought everyone else was in error and was okay. going to, to die. That makes perfect know. sense. That's what you <laughs> yeah. were taught, right? <laughs> right? I mean, I, that, that's it. Do you want to touch on the trauma piece or do you not want to touch on the trauma piece? I mean, if you're wanting if you're to touch on the trauma piece and actually one of, I mean, one of my questions and we've had this conversation, you don't need to tell the specific story, but... Um, you know, I think of the post we made for Sawin with the bonfire on, on oh, Instagram yeah. and how, yeah. although it was about, um, I think Wicca, well, it's about Sawin, so Wicca or, or Celtic paganism, that that was actually something that really bothered you. So if you're willing to share that story, I'd love for you to, and any, I mean, anything you want, want to share, this is your, your moment. 
I think that, no, I think that there's some, there was a lot of fear in how I was raised. So in other words, a big piece, but when I saw that post that you made on Instagram, I think it was on Instagram, it, that honestly triggered me and triggered a lot of fear in me because I was like, oh my goodness, because I was taught that people were going to come after us and kill us and torture us and, and do that kind of stuff to us. Right. And so when I saw that, it was this moment like, oh, and then I had to like calm myself down and be like, wait a minute. Right. Like, I don't think anyone's going to come to my house today and take my Bible from me and torture me and burn me at the stake. Right. I think I'm okay. Uh, but I mean, that said, I mean, there are Christians who are persecuted right around the world. So, but it was a different, it was so fear-based. Everything was fear, even to be afraid of God. Like God wasn't a loving, kind, patient, like they talk, right? Touching the Bible, that love is patient, love is kind, you know, love never ends, right? And that was not the God that I knew. I knew a God who was angry and judgmental and was going to come after me. And even to the point where, you know, most Christians will tell you, generally speaking, that once you depending on the part of Christianity you are, right? once you accept Christ or once you're baptized or whatever, right, that you have salvation. Um, I was raised to believe that um, it is not at all, not no, no guarantee at all, right? So you do all these things, you follow these lists, you follow these rules. Uh, when I was uh, baptized, I had to be examined. I had to go through an examination process before I could, uh, you know, was allowed to be baptized. So I went through this examination. It was like two hours long. And then I was two hours long. Then I was baptized, right? But even after being baptized, then it was this thing of like, you're still not guaranteed salvation. And so you have to be very careful and walk on eggshells and do all these things right. Even the way I prayed had to be a certain way. I had to end the prayer a certain way, right? Or God might be upset with me for not saying the prayer the right way and then and not hear my prayer, right? And then be upset with me because I prayed wrong. And so that makes you afraid to even talk to God, right? So now I'm terrified to even have a conversation with God. Uh, and then... And then, um, I forget where I was going with that. Anyway, so there's all these little things and nuances right in the background that made me really hard. And made me really afraid of God. and made me really, really terrified. So the other piece, so that's, that, that's the Instagram piece, right, that you and I talked about that it triggered me. But Katie knows a lot about this and a lot about my background. But I was actually sexually abused throughout pretty much the entirety of my childhood there was like a couple year gap there where I wasn't being, uh, but it was pretty much that throughout from, I mean, I don't know, as young as you can probably imagine until well, I was like 12 or 13, I think. And so, no, 12. Yeah. And so um, one of the things that happened, right. And this is a, uh, an example I give sometimes where when I outcried, um, I was told I was, tw I was 12 and I outcried. I said, Hey, this is going on. I don't like it. I want it to stop. Um, and the adults that I outcried to said, well, you need to follow Matthew 18. And Matthew 18 talks about how when you're upset with, uh, or there's a conflict in the church, you go one-on-one -on -one first, right, to the other believer. You talk to him one-on-one. -on -one. And then if that doesn't go well, then you bring other members of the, the church, right, and you have a conversation. And if that doesn't go well, then you bring it, I think, to the whole church. That's how Matthew 18 is phrased. And so I'm 12. I outcry, saying being sexually abused, somebody please help me. And I get told, well, you have to follow Matthew 18. So that meant that I went essentially by myself to my abuser, <laughs> the man who was abusing me, right? And uh, I was too scared to tell him face to face. I actually read a letter and uh, I gave him the letter. I was like, hey, like, you know, <laughs> like, stop. I know what you're doing. Stop it. But that's one of those things where it was awful. I don't wish it on anyone ever, right? But I now as an adult can look back and honestly, I 10,000% believe God protected me because that man could have done anything to me. Because when I outcried, the people who I had outcried to actually lived in one in another country and one in another state because we were at a gathering when I outcried. So then I came back to my, my home where this was happening and, and I, I said this, right? And told him to stop. He, he, anything could happen to me. Right. And so I'm able to look back at that kind of stuff and be like, like, thanks God. But, you know, thanks for having my back. Right. Cause that could have been real bad. And later on in life, when more people essentially found out about what had happened, some were of the opinion that it was wrong that, you know, I should have, you know, adults should have done something to help me. Right. Some people were upset about it, but some people said, well, 
<laughs> some people said, well, what was wrong was that you weren't actually baptized and in fellowship yet. You were still a Sunday school scholar. So that's, if you had been baptized, then that would have been an appropriate use of that verse. And so I should, I don't know, I shouldn't be laughing, but I have to laugh about it, right? Because we're going to do, but that's the stuff now that it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. So I can give tons of scriptural examples like that tons i actually messaged katie the other day i was reading the bible something about romans and it it came up right it was the same thing and it and it just it's like a trauma trigger right immediately i'm like a kid again and i'm you know because i was sexually abused as i learned about the bible i was sexually abused you know through lots of stuff and i listened to these men talk and preach about god and 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 so you know in my head right there's so much trauma and intertwinedness and junk so when we talk about me leaving in the circle back when we talk about me leaving in my 20s uh when i left in my 20s i was just like i was so angry and so mad and i had all these horrible nightmares about how believe christ is going to return to the earth and, and, and judge everyone and i had these horrible nightmares about how christ is going to come and judge me and i was going to be found unfavorable right and I mean, it was just this whole muck of stuff. And so to this day, people in that religion believe I left because I was mad about the abuse that had happened. And and they're like, well, you shouldn't. You should forgive and forget. And in fact, I had to write, I had to write basically a dissertation uh, when I was a teenager about how forgiveness and forgetting were not the same thing and how the founder of the religion didn't believe that forgiveness and forgetting were the same thing because they wouldn't let off of it. They're like, you literally have to just forget and be around these men and be okay with it. And this is your problem and you need to deal with it. So I say all that to say, right, when I left, I was, I, I hated God. And I was like, I am. I'm agnostic. And I went through a short little phase where I was like, I think I'm atheist. Like, how could, how could evil like this ever happen in the world? Right. Katie's like, Grace Bird. And I was like, how, how could, how could evil like this happen in the world? Right. What is wrong with people? And I tried to explore at various times. I tried to explore various religions. So I went to different churches and I went to different places because I was like, one minute at, you know, agnostic and one minute trying to try and find a church and one minute trying to do this. But honest to goodness, every time it was a trigger and, and people and and my friends didn't understand people in the churches didn't understand. Right. And every time I went, I just, I, I couldn't. Right. And I couldn't. And, um, can I talk about where I'm at today or do you want to Yeah, that was going to be my next That's Yeah, <laughs> okay. absolutely. What's life like now? And, and even more so, details uh, about your, religious journey if you want then so where am i today so a couple years ago i met someone i and i had done i'd done therapy done the whole nine yards but a couple years ago i met a woman who is a trauma specialist professional and she started working through some of the trauma with me in a much deeper way than i had ever been able to do before i'd actually been told by people that in order to work through the trauma that i had been through uh that I would need to be institutionalized in a mental hospital for at least, I think it was two months or three months. And they were like, there's no guarantee that we can actually put you back together. But they're like, we got to get you to a, and I was super successful. I had a great career, right? But I was just constantly in this state of trauma. And so the professionals were like, the only way you're going to heal is if we lock you up for two to three months, we really break you down. And then we can't guarantee that we can actually get you put back together. So I was on tons of psych meds. Like I was just trying to make it in life essentially. Anyway, so two years ago, three years ago, I met this trauma professional. And uh, so I, I met her and we started working together. And uh, thankfully she was able to help me work through some things. Like I said, I hadn't been able to work through before. Uh, she's just kind of a different bird and works in a little bit of a different way. And it was effective for me, right? And that was what I needed in my life. And one of the things that we had started talking about was the religious trauma, which I had not really touched on before. Uh, and But I also had people in my life around that time who were Christians who were letting me ask them some questions kind of about Jesus and kind of about God and why do they believe questions that I hadn't really been able to explore or ask before in that way. And I had finally worked through the trauma enough to where I could get to a point where I could have some of these discussions and some of these conversations. And so I finally came to the conclusion was in September, October of like 2020, I did actually pray and I asked God to 
Jesus to come into my heart and guide my life. And, and it was so funny because I did it by myself in my room. Like I just really felt that I had misunderstood God and I wanted him to really guide my life. And, and I was like, no, this is something, something's been off. Right. I, and so I did that. And it was funny because the next day I made a call, I told a friend of mine the next day that I, you know, that I had had that conversation and asked God to do that. And uh, her comment to me was like, oh, good. Well, I'll, I'll see you in heaven. And uh, she's a Christian. So she made that comment. And I remember, I was like, that's not why, that's not why I did it. Like I didn't, I didn't do it to go to heaven because honestly, I'm still in some of my, some of my mind thinking as a kid, right? Like there's no heaven, there's no hell. Like why would I, what, 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 no, <laughs> like I just did it because I want a relationship with Jesus. Like I just want a relationship with God. I want him to help me. And uh, anyway, so I say that because uh, very quickly my life started to change after that. So I was in Texas at the time I took off, sold all my stuff, became a digital nomad. I uh, started living in other countries. I lived in Aruba for a couple months. I lived in Costa Rica for a couple months. And then uh, I was traveling around and doing what I wanted to do. And I came back. I met a woman online. We do business. We do business online. And I do a lot of work online, right? And in various marketing groups and Facebook groups. And I met a woman online through business. And uh, I made a post. And we became Facebook friends, even though we were just business associates because she was following my journeys and following my travels. And I made a post in March of 2021 about how I hadn't realized that human love between people, friends, relationships, whatever, uh, I did not realize up until that point that healthy love was not transactional. So in other words, like if I'm dating someone and, and we're in a relationship and I don't take the trash out, I literally thought they didn't love me as much that day. <laughs> Like I thought I had to like refill the bucket. And uh, I actually, sometimes my friends would be like, Sarah, why do you ask us all the time if we still love you? Like, of course we do. But in the back of my mind, because everything I thought about God was transactional, everything, a lot of stuff in my family was transactional right as far as love went. So I carried that into adulthood, into all my relationships, romantic, friendship, all of it. And it's, it's so funny because I finally came to that realization, right? In, in March of 2021, that healthy love is not transactional, right? And and I was like, oh my goodness. And I actually reached out to an ex of mine and I was like, hey, so when I took the trash out, did you love me more? <laughs> and they were I'm like, pretty, they were like, no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you asked me. And I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. What blew my, I'm 39 years old and it blew my mind at the time, right? So I made a post on Facebook about it because uh, I try and be as honest and authentic and real on social media as I can because I think there's too much fake social media in the news. So uh, I posted about it on Facebook. And this woman who was a business acquaintance of mine, I've been doing business with online, she uh, she commented privately to me. She said, hey, like, I'm just going to throw this out there, but do you know that God's love isn't transactional either? Like, he just loves you. And uh I was like, that's interesting. But here's the thing. Here's the thing about her. She didn't shove it down my throat. She wasn't like, hey, you're wrong. She wasn't none of that, which is what I had expected because that's how I had been raised. She was just like, hey, like, I really love God and Jesus. And I just assume everyone else will love God and Jesus because I do. And so, hey, like, here you go. And um, there was no, there was no judgment. There was no, it was just like an open comment. And I was like, maybe she's safe. I can ask her questions. <laughs> and so, uh, I started kind of put my toe on the line. Like, can I ask you some questions? <laughs> and so she and I started doing Bible study together, essentially as I'm living in Costa Rica and she's here in Florida. And so we started doing Bible study together, uh, every, every week. And then eventually uh, I came back to the U S to get supplies and I was going to go back out because I was going to go live in Grenada. So that was that was the next place on my list. I got totally blocked. I couldn't get back out of the country. I tried. Katie knows I tried. I tried to go to Grenada. I tried to go to the Jamaican Republic. I was like, I'm going to Albania. Like, just let me out of the Africa was on the list for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, whatever I need to do, let me back out of this country. Uh, but now I believe that God did that. Like, God really, really blocked it. And because I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be here in Florida now, right? And, and so anyway... 
I could go on and on and on, but essentially what happened is I ended up living here in Florida and being here near uh, that particular person and her family. And there's a non-denominational Bible church I go to now that she and her family attend. But even when, and so I've been here about eight months now, and uh, I do consider myself a Christian. I do think you have to accept Jesus in your heart to be saved. I do read the Bible just about every day. I do ask the Holy Spirit to help me. I do pray. That was one of the things that was really weird was when she, this, this particular woman, she put it on me, she was like, Sarah, she says, you ask a lot of questions. It's really good. But she said, you also know you can read the Bible and ask God to help you understand it without asking everybody else what they think the Bible means first. Shocked me. I was like, I can? <laughs> I had to like read like C.S. Lewis and ask you and like follow Francis Chan. And she's like, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> <laughs> so there are learning curves right now I'm 40 there are learning curves like that that I'm still going through based on how I was raised right and I'm like oh this makes so much more sense now <laughs> thank you for explaining it to me so anyway all that to say I, I haven't been on any psych meds in two three years now I think meds have their time and place please know that but I was on meds you know from the time I was essentially like 15 16 until I was like 37 I think and I was on tons of meds and they just couldn't I, I did try and take my own life. Um, at one point in my life, I struggled so bad with all kinds of depression and mental health. And it's not that life's perfect today because it's not, because I still struggle. <laughs> I still have my ups and downs. If I ever feel like I need to go back on meds, I will, right? But I don't. But I believe a lot of that has been one, the healing journey I've been on, but two, it's been God working in my life, right? And him making the difference and him helping me heal and him putting me in environments where I could heal, right? Like swimming with the turtles in Aruba, right? That was a beautiful experience for me. Life there was amazing. And so that allowed me to see beauty in the world that I hadn't really experienced or seen before. And like the church here, the Bible church I go to, I don't think anybody at that church knows except for this, my friend, maybe. Well, my friend and her family, um, but I would go to church when I first got here on Sundays and Wednesdays, almost every time, not quite, but almost every time I would walk out and like ready to hyperventilate because inevitably, right? The preacher has preached about a Bible verse, right? That I've been molested while I was learning about, or he's preached about a, a you know, a, a verse that what I was manipulated with, or he's preached, but right. And so the only I mean, honest to goodness, the only reason I was able to make it through was because my friend, for the longest time, she would sit by me. And I don't know how she did it. I, I actually think it's the Holy Spirit. I don't, because I don't know. But she could just kind of tell when I start to get riled up. And she would just kind of touch my shoulder. And no one, nobody else in the church knew it, right? But she would just kind of touch my shoulder and she'd be like, you okay? And I would be like, oh, I got to breathe, right? Where I would take my shoes off and rub my, because a grounding technique when you have trauma, right? You take your shoes off and you ground, you breathe, you rub, you rub, I rub my feet on the carpet, right? And be like, okay, back in the room, like we're, we're good to go. And then she runs and she would let me process after, right? And, and, and gang, like, this is what happened. And let me kind of talk through it and talk about it. But even with me feeling like God wanted me to stay and all that, I don't think I'd have been able to if I wouldn't have had that support because the trauma was so intense. And um, so I'm thankful, right? And I look at the people in my life who let me for years, like ask them questions. And I don't know, I was pretty judgmental and let me be judgmental, right? <laughs> let me ask them questions and uh, let me say things like, I, I really hate God today, right? And, and now I read the Psalms, right? And I read David and he's so, he never says he hates God, I don't think, but he gets up and down, right? He gets mad and he's, he goes through these emotions and I can identify with that, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, somebody else like me, cool. And then uh, like I read Paul, right? And Paul says, you know, it's by the grace of God that I am what I am and his grace to me is not without effect. And I, I read that and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So like, we're on the same page here. All right, Paul, like if, if you did what you did and I've done what I've done and you're okay, then maybe there's a chance for me and I'm okay, right? And so, anyway, that's, I can stop talking again. <laughs> it's great to hear your, your transition from a place where God brings you pain to a place where God is peace and love for you. It's been a, it has been a huge shift. Um, and part of it too was, I didn't think you could be angry at God. Like I thought that if I got mad at God, he was going to like strike me dead. <laughs> so uh, at one point, someone did point out to me uh, throughout this process. They're like, Sarah, like you, you can tell God you're mad at him. I was like, no, you can't. 
And they were like, Sarah, they're like, he knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking. You might as well just tell him, uh, which ended up with me writing like, I don't even know enough, five or six page rage letter to God about how much I hated him. And then I started, I wrote it and I was so emotionally exhausted. I started to fall asleep. And then I woke back up and I was like, wait a minute. And it clicked. I was like, it was man that did these things to me, not God. A man did this. And so then I wrote an apology letter to God. I was like, hey, I'm really sorry. <laughs> like, I just don't know who to be mad at anymore, right? And um, so I did that. And then I started to fall asleep. And then I woke back up and I was like, I had already accepted Christ, but I was like, I really want to be baptized. Like, I had been wanting to be baptized, but there were all these issues with me traveling and not being able to do it. And I was like, this is really important to me. Like, I really want to be baptized and show my faith publicly. So, and so then I was able to be baptized here in Florida, which was really an amazing experience for me so that was really cool but I think too if I talk about this I I I was also really angry with my parents because I felt like they didn't support me they didn't protect me they didn't advocate for me the fact that I had to remain around those men for years even after they knew about the abuse had ended right but I started to be around them and see them and be at church with them all the time and hang out you know I was so mad and I was so mad um, at the two men, right? These two, it's always most like two different men. I should clarify that. So I was too mad, right? Those two men, I was just so angry. And people didn't always realize it, right? Because I was real good about keeping a cool, calm exterior, but inside I was just eating up with this anger. And people tell you, oh, you're, it, 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 this upsets me. People are like, we just need to forgive. But you know how hard that is? Too much therapy I did, you know what's right? Like I couldn't forgive for anything. Uh, until I started, honestly, I started praying and I was like, God, oh, please help me. Please help me. Because I have done everything as a human that I know how to do. I have done all the therapy. I've done all the coaching. I've done all the writing. I've done all the journaling. I have done everything. And I am just eating up with this anger. And um, it was about six or seven months ago. I started praying and praying and praying. And then, um, I don't know, funny enough, three or four months in, I actually got to a point where I was like, oh, I'm not so mad. Like what they did was wrong. It is wrong. But I'm not so angry. I was like, huh. And then I started looking at like, what good can come from this, right? Not that what happened was good. Let me be very clear. It was not good. But what good can I make out of my life? What, what good can I make out of it, right? What good have I made out of it? And what good can I make out of it? And then I, I do not always advise this. Uh, I don't advise this for other survivors. Just know that. But I felt very strongly like God was calling me to to call the one of the men who, who abused me. He's dead. The other one's still alive. And I felt like God was calling me to call him and tell him that I forgave him and that the reason I was able to forgive him was because of God and because I felt like God had worked a miracle in my life and because I had accepted Christ. And so a little bit, two months ago, I, I did. And I hadn't talked to that man in years. Um, and I called him and uh, he answered and we had a conversation and I told him that. Um, which ended up being a healing experience for me, um, thankfully. And so that's the pieces of the puzzle that I, I don't know how else to explain. And so sometimes, you know, Katie and other atheist friends, I have lots of friends who are atheist and agnostic, but they're like, how do you, how do you know there's a God or why do you believe in God or what, right? I don't know how else to explain it, right? Like those experiences, I have tons more, right? But I couldn't get there as a human being on my own. And it wasn't until I started asking God to help in my life and do things in my life. Not that I think he'll do everything I ask him. I don't, but it's through those experiences. And I'm like, there's gotta be something. He's gotta, he's gotta be there. He's, he, you know. Yeah. You have a, an amazing story. And I, I love, I mean, I love Sarah period, but Sarah is also <laughs> just an amazing example of like, putting so much work into yourself, right? You've never, ever given up in 40 years, which is admirable to say the least. Thanks, I try. It sounds like a rough journey, but it, it looks like you've come out so far great. And yeah, I can only hope it gets better from here. It, it, I, it's one of those things where I'm like, I know it will. I know it's only going to continue to get better because even even through the rough, this is what someone said to me after I was baptized. They said to me, they said, hey, Sarah, they said, you know that basically like this doesn't necessarily mean that things are going to be easy, right? Like things could, even though, you, even though you've got God, sometimes this can make life 
more challenging. And my immediate thought was, my life has been so hard without God that nothing could ever come my way that will be as hard as not having him in my life. As long as I, I mean, he's been present in my life, right? But <laughs> as long as I have a relationship with him and I'm secure with him, there, like, no matter how bad things get, like, it's okay because he loves me and he's got me and he'll use whatever for good. And, and that's what I'm, that's what I firmly believe. And I've been through some rough patches since, since then I've had some tough times come up and it's so different when you have that, that faith and that walk and that belief. It, it, I don't know how to explain it. It's just like, no, like I, we're okay. I'm okay. <laughs> so I've, I've got a, an idea that's kind of poking at me a little bit. I've, we all have people of varying degrees of similarity and differences from ourselves. And sometimes you come across a person that you notice that they agree with you on something and you reflexively go, wait, if you agree, should I, should I agree with you on this? You ever find that sort of situation where, um, as you develop this new warmer relationship with God that you're talking with somebody and feel like there's maybe a little too much similarity to something from before that just doesn't feel right until you reframe it. Can you give me an example? Um, I'm going to be dead, but like, give me a, give me a. <laughs> like, I'm trying to think of an example church-wise and I've got nothing. Um, you mean, does, but, does, do I feel like the church I go to now, like, does it have similarities to how I was raised? Is that what you're asking? Is there anything that jumps out at you or that you hear that sounds familiar or similar, but is it, it makes you think of something that you used to believe and either is the same, but reframed in a better way or something that is jarring when you realize it? Is that a so, thing that comes up? If I, if I understand your question, right, I can talk about the God piece. So in other words, like I was raised right to be very fearful of God. And I mean, the pastor of the church I go to talks about how we should be fearful of God. Right. And so, but the reframe for me, right. Is that God isn't just out to get me. He created because he loves me. Right. So he's not just out to get me and punish me. And yes, like, I mean, uh, who is that? I can't think of the guy's name who kills like tens of thousands of people in the Bible. Right. Like God is a vengeful God. Sometimes God does. Right. There, there is stuff like that, but I'm able to see now more. It's like a healthy I'm gonna I'm I'm make sure I put this word healthy. It is like a healthy parent, right? Versus somebody who's just mad and vengeful and beating their kid and whatever. God is actually a healthy parent where he comes in and he's like, hey, you need a little bit of discipline here because you're super way off track. So I'm gonna discipline you and kind of push you back, right? To, to the path you need to be on. But honestly, when I'm sitting in the church and the pastor's talking about, you know, a vengeful God or whatever, right? I, I get where I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? is this, are we talking about the same thing? And then I get scared. Right. And then I have to work through that, you know, either on my own or in the Bible or I'm talking with people. Right. And then I'm like, Oh, okay. This is what he actually means. Right. He doesn't actually mean what I was said to get. He means that. Yeah. Like sometimes parents, parents discipline their kids, right. God's the same way. Right. And so um, if that's what you're asking, there's some, like, there's some reframe there. And the other thing that I'm learning about is the difference between a healthy community and an unhealthy community. <laughs> and so I have been very much like I am independent. I don't need no one. I don't need nobody. Katie can tell you, I get, I would freak. So I was traveling the world, right? And Katie and our friends and I would get freaked out. I'm like, I'm too dependent on Katie. I don't need friends. I don't need anybody. I don't need you. <laughs> right? And I do this very unhealthy push pull in my relationships. Uh, even my friendships where I'm like, I get close to people and then I'm like, wait a minute, this is too close. You're going to hurt me. I'm going to leave now because this is this, we can't do this anymore. And so one of the terrifying things for me here has to be to go to the same church every Sunday, see the same people and be like, oh my goodness, I'm a community, <laughs> right? Like, what is this? Uh, and, and so I think that obviously is probably the most terrifying thing that is the most familiar to me that it mimics, right. How I was raised, but I have to remember, I can go to the church two doors down if I want to go. Right. And I, if, if I take off and move to Grenada now or somewhere else, 
these people will still love me. They'll still care about me. Like their opinion doesn't change, right? They want the best for me. I texted one of the ladies at church. Go ahead, Katie. I was just going to say, so what you're saying is I'm a saint. You? Yeah. For putting Are up you? with you. For putting up with you. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yes. I'm the good guy here. No. <laughs> for once, for once, you could claim the good guy badge, Katie. Yes. Uh, sorry, <laughs> this lady at church. <laughs> so uh, today, today I was feeling a little nervous about doing this podcast. And so uh, I was feeling anxious about it. And I was like, man, I really need a home-cooked meal. And so there's a lady at the church who's a little bit older than me, uh, wiser in years than me, as I like to say. And so I texted her and I was like, will you please make me, beef stew is my favorite meal in the world. And I was like, will you please make me some stew and or soup? It doesn't have to be right away, but could you do that sometime? And she texted me back. She said, of course, I would love to, right? She's like, schedule a time right you come over and have dinner right and uh or whatever and, and that I have to remember like that's healthy right that it's healthy to have that support it's healthy to have that she doesn't know I'm doing the podcast but but she still wanted like hey like yeah I'll cook dinner for you come over work whatever and I have to remember that's okay like that that's not a bad thing to have in life because I'd have told you two three four five years ago that was a, that was a terrifying thing right that was, that was maybe not a good thing to have in life and now I'm like, oh no, it's okay. Like this, this, this is good. This is healthy, and and I still have my ability to think independently. The pastor here at the church, he, I couldn't. When I first got to the church, he stood up on that stage and he said that it was okay to disagree with him. And he said that if you disagree with him, to come have a conversation with him, and and he was like, and, and bring the Bible, right, and we'll talk it through together. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> Like, did you really just say that from the, like the stage that like we could disagree with you? Are you insane? <laughs> so th things like that, right? Where I'm like, oh, I still get to have autonomy of thought, right? I still get to think through like we, I don't even agree with my friend here on some things where I'm like, Man, I'm not sure I agree with you on this. And, and it's fine. We talk it through. Sometimes we agree, sometimes we disagree. But that's a huge difference. We don't have to have the same exact 100% align the belief, right? And um being able to read the Bible for myself, that, that, man, that just is so different without having to use someone else or something else to, to trans, you know, to essentially to explain what it says. Does that answer your question? <laughs> Did I get there eventually? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, funny as a publicist, I coach people, right, on how to do media interviews and how to have your background and how not to say um too much and how to be prepared for questions. But as someone who goes out and does interviews sometimes for business or about this kind of stuff, I please, if you're my client, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> that's, always. That's, that's a good rule. Like, yeah. There's a, a big difference between an imperfect person and an actual hypocrite. We can give advice and we can try to follow it. If we believe it, it's going to show. It's when we really just say, you know, I'm not going to worry about it, but I need you to keep doing it. That's that's the hypocrisy. <laughs> I definitely worry about it. I'm just like, eh. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Again, we're all friends here. Yeah, we're pretty. <laughs> We're a pretty casual podcast. It was, it was nice. We're on Zoom. It's just, I don't know, I guess the listeners are we're actually on Zoom. And it was actually nice to see your face pressing because I've heard you on the podcast, but I was like, oh, that's what his face looks like. Right. Katie's been talking about you for a long time and now I have a face to go with the you name. You do. You come up in a lot of conversations because of what <laughs> you just told everyone. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're at close to the hour mark. Um, I mean, I'm still enjoying this conversation, but do you have any advice or thoughts for someone who might be in a danger cult? Uh, so a couple things. When you're starting to question things, be careful who you trust with what you're questioning. And so that I think was very difficult because when I was raised, you're not allowed to question things, right? And the second you start to question things within that environment, right? You're you're immediately bombarded, and so um, if you're questioning things, that's that's okay, that's good, that's healthy, right? But be careful who you're talking to and who who has your ear and whose wisdom you're listening to. Some some very cult authoritarian religions, right, are even more controlling than how I was raised, and so I always encourage. 
if you're in an especially scary situation, please make sure you have a safety plan, right? Please make sure you have friends that, that you can trust, right? Who are outside of that environment, right? Who, who you know, have, have your safety plan, who know what's going on, who you can, who you can lean on for support and dependence. Um, please know that it's hard leaving, but it's worth it. Because once you kind of get through that and get over that, life just blossoms and opens up. Um, and then also know it's okay. I have the hardest time in the world asking for support and asking for help. And I want to encourage people, it is 10,000% okay to say, hey, whether it's a friend, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a coach, whether it's a, I don't know, a spouse, whoever, like it is okay to say, hey, I need, I need help. And can you help me with X, right? Whether that's leaving, whether that's understanding, whether that's whatever, right? Like, and if the first person can't help you, that's fine. Ask the next person and keep asking until you get the help you need. I think that's great advice. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I mean, we did our cult episode, which Sarah hasn't listened to. <laughs> I didn't because we talked about that. I wanted I to, but I was like, man, if this triggers me and then I'm up and then I can't, I don't know. No, ahead. I understand. <laughs> it's totally okay. Um, but we, right, we, gave some advice but neither of us have lived it so it's great to you know hear from someone who has lived it and is thriving afterwards As there's a mental transition like a, a shift in your brain that has to happen to understand that you are okay and at least for me right that i was okay that I had value outside of that environment that i was lovable outside of that environment and but it's 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 worth it when you get there so just keep doing the work Oh, Sarah, I love you so much. <laughs> Thank you. I love you too. Anything else you want to touch on, Preston or Sarah? Any other stories you want to share? There, there's this idea that everybody wants to help somebody when they see that they're in a cult, but there's there's a line that people are going to cross most of the time when you say, hey, I want to help you out of this cult, where the people on the inside who are experiencing it feel that the, the person offering help is an oppressor. Correct. Like almost yes. all the time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's loads of different words for, for how that perception plays out. But that's the, that's the trick. And having never had to live through that experience in any functional or successful way, my inclination is to expect that maybe saying, I'm here to help you out if you need out, but I'm not going to pull you out. Is that even a statement that would encourage somebody who's on the inside? So here's, here's my suggestion <laughs> from my own experience. I don't even know, honestly, that I'd say that. I'd say, hey, I enjoy and appreciate being your friend. Let's go have coffee. Or hey, like let's sit and chit chat and and not to be friends to manipulate, not at all. But right. literally just to sit and have a conversation and listen to the person. And um, so I've I have a license as a counselor, right? <laughs> so a little piece of my counseling background comes into play, even though I don't practice anymore. People miss the value of that, the value of friendship, the value of eye contact, the value of of or even if it's online, right? But like I said, my friend here, like I wasn't obviously involved anymore, but the way she approached me was so non-judgmental, right? It was just so open-ended, like, hey, I'm I'm here if you want to have a conversation, but you know, and um people forget the little acts of kindness go so I mean the 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 smile, the hey, like I care about you, the 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 i mean <laughs> i mean this is terrible right but my friend being like when i'm in college and i'm still involved right my friends being like dude you're so weird but you can come room with us anyway right <laughs> like whatever or like dude they would kind of tease me a little bit right which i've, I've i'm pretty good natured most of the time right after a good sense of humor most of the time so they would kind of tease me a little bit they'd be like dude like really and then they'd be like come on come have a beer with us right <laughs> come on right come on and and but they were not like oh my goodness, you're crazy. You have to get out. We have to help you leave, right? Blah, blah, blah. It was more of just a, like a, hey, like come experience life with us. Come see that life can be a little bit different. And um, 
it was a little bits of that, little bits of that, little bits of that, right? And I say it takes a village. I mean, for me, it took a village, right? And it took a village of experiences like that. And so if you're going into somebody and you're like, I'm going to save this person. I can be this person's savior. I'm sorry, but you have this sincerely the wrong perspective on it. It's, it's, I, I really don't think it's going to happen. I think you have to go in with with the friendship, with the love, with the non-judgment, and then if it gets to the point where you feel like you've developed that that relationship where you can say, right, hey, like, if you ever wanted to leave, I'm happy to help you out or figure that right. Okay, cool. Or if they ask you, which is honestly 10,000% better, if they're able to come to you and say, I do think I want to leave, right? Which is kind of what happened with me, right? I got to the point where I was like, I do think I want to leave, but now I'm scared because I don't know what happens next, right? And then I had that conversations with my friends and with my therapists, right? And we went from there. And it's a long time ago, but, but it, it's a, it's a coming from that place of, of, of love is patient, love is kind, right? Like, uh, even if you're not a Christian, right? Coming from that place as a perspective of working with somebody and understand that their mindset is so, so different, right? And so trying to, I guess, understand that and their perspective and their views on life and meet them where they're at, still have your own boundaries. So keep yourself safe, have your boundaries right. But don't, I think that's the way to go about it. Don't join the cult. <laughs> oh, please, no. <laughs> no, don't, don't do that basis because of friendship. <laughs> it, yeah, cults aren't like prisons that you can bust through the wall and be inside to help somebody out. It, it's, yep. There's not a long list of success stories in that way. No. <laughs> no, that was that was a really good question and an even better answer, Sarah. Yeah, it was. I Thank think, you. Uh, Thank you. I mean, it kind of speaks to almost you know the entire point of holy watermelon is just like better understanding of the people around us and whatever. What is it? What is it? Building bridges, not when is, when is that saying? Not building walls. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we press my co-host so I can. <laughs> it's I awesome. get halfway there and he gets me the rest of the way sometimes we finish each other's sandwiches Sen- sentences oh <laughs> uh, that gag just doesn't work on zoom there's too much delay <laughs> yeah zoom zoom mutes you so we can't talk at the same time sarah is there anything you want to wrap you want to shout anything out you want to no, that's the thing. I do interviews for my business, right? And I, I don't write my business for those, but for these particular podcasts where I talk about my background, my past, and God and religion, I don't. <laughs> I don't do it. This is what people don't understand sometimes. I'm like, I don't do it to promote anything. I'm not a coach. I don't have a book. I don't, none of that. I literally just do it because I'm hopeful it's helpful to someone, somewhere, sometimes, someplace. And, and that's it. Uh, eventually, if I put up a website, I'll. I'll have you put it in the show notes, but for now, no, I just hope it's helpful to someone somewhere. And that's all. I was going to say, when you write your book, we'll add that in the show notes. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Um, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to meet you and it's been a great conversation. Awesome. Thank you. Sarah is, yeah, Sarah is one of my favorite people and we chat religion not nearly as often as Preston and I do, but um, it's nice to have another person that's, you know, we can ask questions of each other and have some good conversations, like you said, without judgment and just pure curiosity. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We've talked about this for a long time. So I'm glad it finally happened. Me too. Preston, what should our listeners do now? Oh, you definitely need to join us on discord. See the great memes we share. Uh, we've got some great infographics for some of our latest episodes. Uh, we've got Patreon, where you can help us make this into a, a bigger project, maybe do this full time with more regular episodes. That'd be great. Uh, we also have a handful of Patreon exclusive releases. So that's always cool. Right. <laughs> And of course, we have our spread shirt. So if the subscription model isn't for you, you can buy some merch from us and rep the Holy Watermelon podcast. Do I get a shirt now? Do you want a shirt now? I want a shirt. We can line yeah. that up. We'll, we'll line it up for you. Um, awesome. Thank you. I guess that's all for this episode. Peace, Peace be, be with, with you. you. By the late Middle Ages, the Christian prophecy had fulfilled itself.